Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor, and I publish a weekly e-zine titled Paralegal Strategies. I'm the co-author of The Professional Paralegal, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success. As you can see, I'm really dedicated to the paralegal profession, and you'll find more information at paralegalmentor.com. As we begin our show, I first want to thank our, for our sponsor, NALA, a professional association for paralegals. NALA provides continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources that you're going to find helpful in your career and your everyday job. We also have guests on the program to help us explore timely topics. And on the Paralegal Voice today, we're going to take a look at how well-versed paralegals should be in Microsoft Office Suite, what most legal employers expect, and how paralegals can demonstrate mastery. To help explore this, my guest is Deborah Saavedra, and uh, I have to tell you just a little bit about Deborah because she's a very interesting person. Over the course of a 25-year career, Deborah has worked in law offices as a legal support staff member and also technology fixer-upper, a role that I think a lot of us play. Deborah started her own consulting firm in 2000 and has provided on-site training for local law firms for several years. She helps both those transitioning from WordPerfect to Word, as well as those looking to improve their staff's Microsoft Office skills. Her blog, LegalOfficeGuru.com, specializes in tutorials on using Microsoft Office applications in a legal environment, and the blog's flagship e-course, The WordPerfect Lover's Guide to Word, helps legal professionals make the transition from WordPerfect to Word with less stress. She also writes a bi-weekly column on legal technology for the Lawyerist blog. So welcome, Deborah. Thanks for having me, Vicki. Well, that's quite a, a list of things that you provide for law offices. And as one who was dragged kicking and screaming from <laughs> word perfect to word, as most people probably, and then I found myself actually um, working with, I mean, going from all three, word perfect to word 2003 to word 2007 and making it, you know, I was in all of those programs just kind of <laughs> yeah, and it worked. I'm I'm sure I'm not alone. Oh, so tell yeah. our listen yeah, tell our listeners a little bit about the path you took to get where you are today. Uh well, I started off after college in the mid to late 80s working as a database administrator for uh, a litigation support firm. And when they went belly up, I got a job working as a legal secretary. So I was working with WordPerfect back when it was still in the DOS version. Um, I eventually was promoted to paralegal and spent several years at that firm. 
And then I left in the mid-90s to take a job with a national restaurant chain. And because at that point I was no longer in the quote-unquote legal field, I had to become adept with Microsoft Office pretty quickly since that had already become the standard in most offices. Uh, I started off in an administrative position there and then became a systems analyst in the information technology department at that restaurant company for several years, working on the Y2K project. That particular transition meant, among other things, that I had to learn about more than just Microsoft Word. I was taking data extracts from the mainframe and analyzing it in Microsoft Excel. I was running cross-tab queries in Microsoft Access. I was coordinating project tasks by interfacing Outlook with Microsoft Project. So I got a real baptism by fire, so to speak, with uh, with Microsoft Office. Uh, I left the restaurant company in, in 99 to work for a national consulting firm, so I got to travel around the country helping with system conversions and training users. And then after the Y2K scare was over, I came back and started my own consulting firm to do software consulting firm work locally. But I'd stayed in touch with my law firm buddies and while I was traveling, so several of the local law office managers started asking me to train their staff on Microsoft Word. Since a lot of the law firms were having trouble with the transition and the generic training really wasn't addressing the law office environment very well. Um, I've worked with law firms periodically since then. Uh, in fact, I'm doing that now. And it's been really interesting for me to see, number one, how the recent technology changes have changed law practice. And number two, how many lawyers and staff are still struggling with Microsoft Word and Outlook and Excel. So I started LegalOfficeGuru.com in March of 2009 to start documenting what I knew about using Microsoft Office in a law office context, particularly with a view toward helping those who are still struggling to make that transition from WordPerfect to Word and on into the rest of the Microsoft Office suite. Well, I, I'll tell you when I ran into the the, the biggest problems in, um, in all of that transition was when everyone in the firm didn't have the same skills, so they were setting up forms in different ways. And then you try to work with the forms, and they, I mean, would, I'd just be pulling my hair out because I couldn't figure out what was going on, you know, and why I couldn't make it work. So there are problems. But tell me how well-versed uh, paralegals and paralegal students should really be in Microsoft Office Suite. You know, I hear a lot from, from WordPerfect users about uh, how much problem uh, or how many problems they're having with Microsoft Office, how much they hate that that particular suite is so dominant, how much better WordPerfect is. But whether we like it or not, it's got the largest user base of any major office productivity suite out there. And if you're still working in a WordPerfect shop, your future employability becomes far better when you can demonstrate that you have at least some facility and a certain depth of knowledge, not only with Microsoft Word, but with, with several of the office applications. Well, I totally agree with you on that, and I, I I just can't believe how much more that I can do with Microsoft, um, with the Office Suite than I could do back in the old DOS days. So oh, yes. I'm with you. So, you know, what, um, what skills do most legal employers expect now, and how can paralegals and paralegal students demonstrate that they've mastered those skills? Now, when I started working, we took a typing test. 
You probably had one of those back in the day. Oh, yes, and I remember that. <laughs> right. And that's how they decided if you could do what you were supposed to do. And, and so how, what do we do today to, to demonstrate those skills? Well, certainly the most basic skills are, are going to involve rudimentary document creation and formatting in Microsoft Word, how to set up the page size and margins, how to do character and paragraph forming, being able to, uh, to print, that kind of thing. Uh, but those kind of things are, are entry-level stuff. Once you master those basic word skills, you need to get some facility with features like styles uh, to do faster and easier formatting, uh, quick parts to help speed document creation by using boilerplate text and having access to it very quickly, uh, using sections and tables of contents to format longer documents like briefs and complex agreements, that sort of thing. Some of the features are really practice-specific, I've found. For example, if your lawyer's practice includes appellate court work, then you need to have figured out the table of authorities feature, no question. If you do a lot of probate and estate planning work, setting up forms like you talked about with bookmarks and cross-references comes in really handy. As far as Outlook goes, obviously everybody knows how to send an email. And I see a lot of people now that are starting to use the meeting request feature to calendar deadlines. What I don't see is people taking advantage of features like tasks and follow-up flags to sort of keep the, the inevitable information overflow at bay. And particularly if you've got a pretty heavy litigation practice with all that e-filing, learning to use rules and alerts to deal with all that incoming email from the court system is just invaluable. I, I don't know how I would personally function without having a whole set of rules to deal with the ECF filings coming in. Uh, I'm seeing also more and more need for paralegals particularly to at least have a basic skill set in Microsoft Excel. While you can do a lot of things with tables in Microsoft Word and with WordPerfect for that matter, those functions can get stretched beyond their limits pretty quickly. Uh, let me give you an example. One paralegal I know attempted to use a table in a word processor to create a trial exhibit that featured several hundred rows of data, summarizing invoices and change orders, etc. She used a word processor because that was what she was comfortable with. And, but unfortunately, managing and verifying formulas in a word processor is a good bit more difficult than it is in something like Microsoft Excel and in an actual spreadsheet. So she discovered pretty late in the process that her formulas didn't actually work. The math wasn't coming out right. So somebody had to go back and reproduce that same exhibit in spreadsheet form. Uh, that was several hours of billable time that had to be written off, not to mention having an attorney being very irritated about uh, something um, taking longer than it should have. If, and if she'd had at least some basic facility with Microsoft Excel, she might have started off with the right tool. And that sort of brings me to the point that you really have to have at least enough knowledge of the tools in whatever suite you're working in to match the right tool with the task. You can't really use the excuse that, well, I've never had to use a spreadsheet for anything, so I don't need to learn to do it. Even if that's something you don't expect to be able to do, you need to at least be familiar enough with what that tool can do and what situations it's really best in to know which one to choose. It's sort of like that old saying, if everything you, if all you have is a hammer, 
everything looks like a nail. If you've got, <laughs> you know, I like that. If you've got an entire office productivity suite at your disposal, whether it's Microsoft or some other brand, you owe it to yourself to at least get a basic familiarity with every tool in the box, so that when these kind of tasks land on your plate, you know what's possible and can make an intelligent choice as to what to use to get the job done, even if you have to sort of refamiliarize yourself with the exact how-to. And it's not just Excel. For example, learn a little bit about OneNote. Who knows, you might find it's a a godsend for organizing those little dribs and drabs of information uh, in a case, particularly for trial preparation. Uh, If your lawyer's practice involves a lot of corporate work, or if your trial prep tasks involve creating charts for demonstrative exhibits, you might find that having a little bit of facility with Visio is a good idea. Uh, those are just a couple of examples. Right, right. Okay, so now we know that we should be able to do these things, at least have a working knowledge of them. But how do we do that? You know, how, what resources are there out there for someone who's already on the job and, but they know that they need to n- learn all of this. And, and, you know, time is limited when you're trying to produce the work. Right. So, you know, how, how, what do you suggest that we do so we can improve these skills? Well, obviously, I'm going to mention my site, LegalOfficeGuru.com, but obviously I'm biased. Uh, but one other technology blog that I'm a huge fan of is Vivian Manning's Small City Law Firm Tech. Uh, you can find that blog at vmanning.posterous.com. She not only does a fantastic job with Microsoft Office herself, but she also covers everything from smartphone apps to securing your Gmail account. Um, I have that blog in my RSS feed, so I can see everything she publishes the minute that it hits. Uh, If you're looking for a really structured way of learning how these software applications work, uh, I can recommend lynda.com, and it's actually spelled L-Y-N-D-A. Uh, Kind of circling back to the point that I made earlier about choosing the right tool for the task, this is the kind of self-directed training that's available on a site like lynda.com, which can help you get familiar with at least the basic functionality of each piece of software that you have so you can make some intelligent choices about what to use for a particular task. Uh, Amazingly, a lot of the stuff on lynda.com is actually free. You can get a pretty basic grounding in just about any software application you want uh, and look at those videos for free. And they do actually have a monthly subscription if you want to go into some of the more advanced uh, tutorials. Um, Also, the in-depth series of books that's published by Q, that publisher, it's spelled Q-U-E. Each one of those is a massive brick and they're not cheap but they're invaluable as a desk reference. I mean, when they say in-depth, they're not kidding. Um, Also, I find that when I'm going out on the Internet and looking for information and I find how-tos and whatnot, I collect those things in Evernote. Um, If your listeners are not familiar with Evernote, if you go to evernote.com, you can actually sign up for a free account and install the web browser plugin for whichever browser you happen to use. And you can just start collecting information in your own notebooks with the tags that will help you remember where you store things. Uh, it's cloud-based, so you always have access to your information as long as you have Internet access. So it's a great place to collect tips and tricks and various articles that you find on the Internet 
and really anywhere else. Um, you can actually put information in there on your own. It's a great thing to organize uh, information like that. So, Deborah, we're going to stop right there and, and take a quick break. But I do want to come back and, and get into some more questions. And I, I have to agree with you, I don't know what I'd do without Evernote. So it's oh, yes. a, a fabulous tool. So it's time to take, take a quick break. When we return, we'll have more with Deborah Saavedra. And now a word from our sponsor, Nala. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781 551 9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison and we're talking with Deborah Saavedra, founder of the blog legaloffice.guru.com. So Deborah, tell us uh, our listeners uh, your top 5 tips for word and, you know, all those, those top five tips that every paralegal needs to know. One of the most useful features to me uh, in Word is Quick Parts, which is actually on the Insert tab in the ribbon-based versions of Word. That's a great place to store boilerplate text that you use over and over and again. Uh, for example, I have six different certificates of service. I have three for state and three for federal, and they, they cover different situations. It's great for simply popping up there and clicking on the quick parts button and then choosing the particular quick part and dropping that text into your document. So it's a great place to store those pieces of text that you use over and over. Uh, one feature that I, I don't think a lot of people really know is there, uh, particularly WordPerfect users who are always complaining that, oh, there's no reveal codes in Word. Uh, there actually is. It's called reveal formatting. If you hit Shift F1, uh, a pane pops up on the right-hand side that will actually let you see how the text is formatted and will give you hyperlinks for correcting formatting. And you can also compare formatting between two pieces of text so you can see why they're different. Um, also, one thing that I do anytime I install Word is go ahead and configure the status bar on the bottom by right-clicking it. There's a wealth of information that you can actually store in that status bar, uh, including section numbers and some other things that will help with diagnosing problems particularly. Uh, another thing is memorizing some of the shortcut keys. And if you're only going to memorize three, here are the three that are going to get you out of trouble the fastest. Control space, which erases all character formatting like bow facing and italics. Control-Q, which erases all paragraph formatting, 
and Control-Shift-N, which returns the text to the normal style. It's really handy for just very quickly erasing bad formatting and starting back at, at ground zero. And then also configuring that quick access toolbar that sits above the ribbon and getting some really quick access to the most common commands that you use is a huge time saver. Those are great tips. And you know what? I'm learning a lot. <laughs> good, this good. Is, this is good. Yeah. Okay. Now, we've talked about Outlook also. And do you have any tips that every paralegal needs to know about Outlook? I, I do, actually. Uh one of the things, one of the features that I love a lot is the follow-up flags. Um, I don't know if any of you have noticed this, but over toward the right-hand side of any email, you'll see this little grayed-out flag. If you right-click on that, you get the option to basically flag that for future follow-up, uh, which is a great way for managing some of the things that are coming into your inbox if you say, okay, I've read this. I need to do something with this tomorrow, but I don't want this to get lost in my inbox. It basically adds that to your to-do list in Outlook. You can also set follow-up flags when you send an email. You can set a follow-up flag for yourself to follow up, or you could actually set up a follow-up flag for the person receiving the email, which is great for sort of subtly reminding them that, hey, I've asked you for something. I need to get something back. Another one is... This is sort of cheating. Quick parts is actually available in Outlook, too. So you can store boilerplate text in Outlook, for particularly for emails that you use a lot. Like I have one particularly for check requests that I send to the bookkeeper. I have a quick parts form that I can actually fill out and send that on. I personally don't think that the tasks feature in Outlook really gets enough use. Uh, for me, that's just a go-to tool for just managing the information overload that comes into the inbox, particularly when I can drag emails down to tasks and turn something into a task and keep that on my to-do list. Um, also, creating and using distribution lists, putting those into your contacts folder, particularly when you have a, a long list of counsel, et cetera, for a particular case, and you want to make sure that you get everybody that's a really great tool for making sure that you get your emails addressed to everyone in a particular group. And I mentioned earlier the rules and alerts feature for automating things like handling ECF emails. Uh, that, for me, is, is great for making sure that everything that comes from the ECF system is flagged for follow-up, and it's also moved into a folder out of my inbox so that my inbox stays relatively clear. Well, Deborah, you just said the magic word, and it, <laughs> the magic word here is managing information overload, yes. which we all have. And if we use these tools wisely, it will help us help us do that, and you know, kind of help us keep our minds clear too. We get so bogged down in, in all of this that we're bombarded. Absolutely, absolutely. The one of the biggest things I see, like you said, is that just everything coming into that inbox, a lot of it can be put off to the side and, and handled in a slightly different way. And that way you don't have that visual overload every time you look at your inbox. That's right. And I do use that flagging a lot. It really does help. So now let's talk about your favorite technology tools. Uh, 
Do you have any suggestions for our listeners? Well, we mentioned Evernote, so you and I are both fans of, of Evernote. I just think that's we are. a great all-purpose notebook. Um, I use Hootsuite for managing Twitter and, and Facebook at all in one place. Right. Um, I also use one fun little tool. If you ever have to edit a photo, either at work or, or at home, one of the most fun, easy-to-use little tools I've run across is called PicMonkey. And it's available at PicMonkey.com. It's P-I-C-Monkey.com. And it's actually done by the same set of developers that did Picnic.com, which was actually a great tool. And somebody else bought it. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. But if you need to crop a photo or enlarge it or make it smaller or anything like that, any sort of photo editing, it's a great free tool uh, that's available online. Uh, one other thing that I recommend, I've been playing a lot with a word plugin called the form tool, which you mentioned earlier about people creating forms and then uh, other people not being able to use them. Uh, one of the things I've found with this particular plugin is that it allows you to create those forms where you have the same set of information being repeated in the form periodically right. and calculations and those kind of things. Incredibly easy to use. Basically, the, the answers are at the bottom of the document. So you fill in a table with the answers at the bottom of the document and then run the form and it self-populates. For me, particularly with a, say, a estate planning practice uh, or a, even a litigation practice, that sort of thing would save a huge amount of time. Absolutely. And guess what? The wonderful people at Legal Talk Network just sent me a message that says Google brought brought Picnic. Ah, okay. They are the ones who bought it, okay? Right, right. Well, we should have guessed that one, I guess. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think we have time for a couple more questions. Just... um, I'm I'm amazed at you, Deborah, with all of the. I mean, you work full time. You're doing your uh, your blog. You're doing your writing for a lawyerist, uh, which is where I kind of was introduced to you. By the way, I, okay. I love that. Yeah. So, how do you make time to write? Uh, well, you, you just you just sort of put it in a nutshell. It's the make time thing. It's uh, you really do have to schedule these things and uh, try to make that a priority. Even so, it's not it's not easy because you know I come home at the end of the day and and look over at the computer and go oh <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but uh, you know fortunately I've got a a really really great user base uh, a really great set of readers they're always emailing me and asking me questions and and that's just been such an energizer for me is uh, people wanting to learn how to use things better or, or trying to trying to solve problems in their own particular context. Mm-hmm. And so I just get so much energy from those folks trying to trying to help them and, and dig into some really interesting problems that uh, some of these posts just write themselves. Right, right. So you resist the um, the desire to just go take a nap and you get busy writing. Is that oh, right? I, I I sometimes succumb to that to that desire to sit down in front <laughs> okay. of the television. But uh, yeah, but you know yeah. it uh, it all comes back to just having uh, having something of a schedule and, and knowing what needs to be accomplished that week and you know as long as I get that done then then I can uh, I can goof off every once in a while if I want right right well I, you're probably a lot like I am I'm in front of the computer 
Um, I wouldn't even want to guess how much of my time I spend in front of the computer writing, answering email, all of that. Just, But when you love it, it's easy. Yes. Absolutely. It really is. It really is. Well, Deborah, you've been a, a fabulous guest. I really appreciate you joining us today. If someone wants to know more about today's topic, how can they reach you? Tell us about your your website. I'm assuming that's where they would reach you. And um, give the name of your uh, e-course again, please. Okay. Uh, my website is at legalofficeguru.com. Um, if you want to contact me, you can either... Uh, click on the Ask the Guru link in the upper left-hand corner of any page, and there's a little contact form there. Or you can email me directly at info at legalofficeguru.com. Uh, and also, as you mentioned, I do have an e-course that I offer specifically for WordPerfect users who are transitioning to Word called the WordPerfect Lover's Guide to Word. I'm glad you didn't use the word dummies. <laughs> I, like I think that was trademarked anyway. So I... <laughs> <laughs> Probably. You're too late for that one. Too late for that one. Right. Okay, Deborah. thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to say a sign off with you right now, and uh, I hope I get to meet you in person one of these days. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. If you have questions about today's show, please email them to theparalegalvoice at gmail.com going to take another short break and come back with some paralegal news and announcements. So we'll be right back. Don't go away. Promote yourself online with Legal Talk Network by becoming a featured lawyer. Your featured lawyer profile lets potential clients and referral attorneys get to know you in a five-minute podcast interview with Legal Talk Network, plus your photo, your bio, and your firm's contact info. Be part of the most progressive online legal network anywhere. Just call Legal Talk Network at 781-551-9960. That's 781-551-9960. Or by emailing admin at legaltalknetwork.com. Be a Legal Talk Network featured lawyer now. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. This is the time when we give practice tips, news, and so forth that will help you with your career. I'm just back from the NALA convention. Um, As you know, NALA is one of our sponsors. Their convention was in Omaha, and I was surprised there with the receipt of NALA's Founders Award, and that's given in recognition of um, outstanding contribution to the growth and future of the paralegal Um, the paralegal profession. So I very much appreciated that and was very honored. Then I'm going to be in New York City September 5th and 6th to speak with the New York Paralegal Association and the New York County Lawyers Association. So I'm going to be going there to speak with them. And my topic's going to be legal uh, technology trends, leveraging new and useful tools to meet ethics obligations. So my practice tip for you today springs from that, as well as the information that Deborah Saavedra had today. And that's to, you need to meet your ethical obligations and the ethics rules of competency and diligence, fair and reasonable fees, the duty to ensure confidentiality of client info, and An excellent way to do this and to guarantee that it's being done correctly is to utilize the best available tools. 
And today, those tools are typically based on technology. There's just no way to escape the fact that you need to um, know the new technology, you need to learn how to use it, and you need to be aware that it's out there so that you can bring that information to your firm. So that is our, um, that's my practice tip for you today. And uh, don't forget that you need to check out practicalparalegalism.com. That's Lynn's blog and paralegalmentor.com. So that's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. This is Vicki Voison thanking you for joining me today and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.